Hi, and welcome to PwC Canada's CEO Viewpoints podcast series, where we discuss key themes and Canadian highlights from our 26th annual Global CEO Survey. My name is Andrew Duner, and I'm a partner in Strategy and PwC's Global Corporate Strategy Practice, and I'll be your host for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. This year, our CEO survey focuses on a critical question facing leaders today. How to balance reinventing the business to succeed in a changing world with the need to manage short-term pressures and challenges. So let's dive deeper into this topic with our guest speaker today from Van City, Canada's largest community credit union. With more than 560,000 member owners and 34 billion in assets, Van City and its members use finance as a force for change to build a clean and fair world. I'm thrilled to have Christine Bergeron, CEO of Van City, joining us here today in Vancouver. Welcome, Christine. Great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. Christine, today you're the CEO of Van City. I think it's always important to understand how that journey came to be. So, you can tell us a little bit about your journey to become CEO. Sure. So, I worked in finance probably almost 25 years now. But I actually started as a venture capitalist. I was investing in clean tech and, and initially in fuel cells and hydrogen technology. So back and forth quite a bit between BC and Silicon Valley. And then I switched it and actually ran a hedge fund, wanted to understand public markets, looking again at sustainability. And in both of those examples in my career, really had a lot of breadth in the experience because they were firms that were starting up. And so I just wore a lot of hats and really got to see you know, the broadest set of information as opposed to, you know, often you come into an organization and you're an analyst and that's your job and and you do it really well. But I was lucky and took the opportunities to do things a little bit differently. And so then I joined Van City 12 years ago. And at the time it was to help build out an impact investment fund. And then that didn't quite unfold the way we wanted back then. Not very many people talked about impact investing that long ago. But we did over time actually build that out. But along the way, I took on quite a few different leadership roles, leading business banking, then wealth, commercial real estate, and a lot of Ancity's impact work. So between the lines of business and then also impact strategy, which are pretty core to the credit union, and then took on interim CEO and then full-time CEO during COVID. So that's the, the quick version of the path. One of the things that might be helpful for our listeners is if you were to describe Van City and what you do and what you stand for, can you talk a little bit about that? We are focused really on people, planet, and profit. And that I think does encapsulate it. You know, we put people at the center. We need to be sustainable for the long term. And ultimately, our view is that as an organization, we're not successful if the communities and businesses that are in our, around us are also thriving. So we're really focused on ensuring that we're helping those who are typically underserved, but ultimately it's people at the center. Every year we speak to hundreds of global CEOs about their outlook for global and local economies, you know, the risks and the opportunities that they see and how they're helping their organizations strike a real balance between building for the future and managing for the here and now. This year, when we went through our global CEO survey, one of the things that really rose to the top as a theme was this notion of macroeconomic uncertainty and how leadership teams are, are really struggling with it. I'd really be keen to hear your perspective on how you're helping your team and how you and your team are thinking about navigating an increasingly uncertain environment. Uh, well, it definitely is uncertain. It's been pretty volatile. Yeah, the way that we are thinking about it is probably the way most are, is building out scenarios 
you know, thinking about protecting the short term, but ultimately thinking about long term, because you can quite easily get so focused on navigating the next 12 months and the next 18 months, which of course is, is critical. But if you do that without that longer term lens, you won't get to where you need to go. And that's hard, right? You have to carve out the time for that. I think the second piece I would say is you, know, you need to navigate it as people, right? As executive teams, because you need to pace your energy. And we've seen that through COVID pretty intense for a lot of executive teams and really pacing through, you know, how do we support each other as we think through these short-term challenges with, okay, long-term strategy, where do we need to go? So Christine, many of the CEOs that we connect with every year as we go through our annual CEO survey raise a number of different concerns. And this year, one of the things that became quite evident with over 40% of our respondents was the notion of shrinking half-lives. The idea that many of the CEOs we talked to felt that their organization faced actually a risk around survivability in the next 10 years, absent transformation. So I know we talked a little bit about macro trends, but I'd be interested in how that finding resonates with you and how you and your team are thinking through this problem. When we think about it, Advanced City, you know, our core model is really focusing on member needs and our impacting community. So that holds and we feel that it will hold. The way I, I think about it is twofold. So first, what's your purpose? Does that hold, right? And so from a Van City perspective, I always think about it around what happens if we didn't exist? Like who's going to care? And on the one hand, you think, yeah, there's, you know, there's large banks, other people, you can go get financial services, but we know we've done a lot of work on this. We know that the communities in which we work and serve members would absolutely lose some key supports. They'd lose some key funding, key networks. And actually many people who do get financial services from us might not get them elsewhere or not in the same way including we have micro lending programs where we support small businesses and really that we're always trying to innovate on ensuring people are properly banks, like getting the right credit, et cetera. So actually we think there would be a hole. So our purpose holds, so that's good. But the second side is what are the actions and strategies that are in place for the long term to keep adjusting and delivering on what members need to ensure that we have you know, the profitability that we need for that long term? And that is where we do need to adjust 100% from what our digital offerings are, how we do our processes, how we strategize around new things like open banking, changing member needs, a branch, online call centers, you know, how do we do that? And that's actually quite a lot of transformation for an organization. You know, on the one hand, it's a continuation and these aren't new trends, but it's a big lift to do that. So we definitely have to keep adjusting those strategies to be where we need to be in 10 years to serve our members. Christine, if I can ask, a lot of what Van City is known for in the market is being a purpose-driven organization. I'd be quite keen to hear, what does it mean for you and for your team to be a purpose-driven organization? So I'll maybe just start with a bit of context because it's been a purpose-driven organization from its founding. Over the decades, Van City has always had some key pillars around social inclusion, environmental sustainability and cooperative principles. They've evolved, of course, around what goes under that and what are the key issues really facing society in the moment. But those haven't changed all that much. So it's why we've had so many firsts over the decades. And it is about what's the current external environment? What does that mean today from that purpose lens? I think at the end of the day, it's removing the frame that these are separate elements that you've got some impacting community over here and over here, you're trying to make some money. 
it's the integrated approach to thinking about people, planet, and profit, like truly balanced in terms of how you think about it. So for us, that's like every business decision. It's an operational decision. It's hiring decisions, procurement. They all take that lens. And it's why over the years, we've continued to report on that. We've had integrated reporting for a while. We've got our climate reporting because they're equally important to our financials. They're one and the same (laughs) in that sense. Obviously, numbers are different from other aspects, but it's removing that belief that they're in separate sides or that you're just donating some money over here. It's really embedded in business strategy. So if I can ask a follow-up question on that, if you think about your anchor as being a purpose-driven organization, do you feel like that helps your ability to kind of stay relevant in changing times or does it create constraints in terms of your ability to be flexible and move? I think it keeps us focused on back to that point of, you know, why do we exist? And hence, why do we need to transform? It's not for the sake of it. It's to keep filling a need in the market. And that that has shifted over the decades that Van City's been around. You know, it's been over 76 years. And unfortunately, there are continue to be social issues, environmental issues that have changed, but that continue to need focus and attention. So I think it keeps us grounded. Of course, there are always constraints in the industry that you're in, but I don't think the purpose creates the constraint. I think that definitely keeps us grounded. You know, if you were giving advice to individuals or teams that are looking to really double down on purpose as an organization... What advice would you give them? My perspective is to always step back and think about the levers you have in an organization and the industry you're in. So what is it that you can do to make an impact in your community? What's that purpose? And so, for example, you know, with Van City, even though we've been purpose-led, we still have to step back every so often and say, okay, what are the levers now and where do we lean in? So for us, we finance others. So the lever is around our lending. The lever is around wealth management. In other industries, your lever is much more focused perhaps on your supply chain. It might be more focused on just different stakeholders and community. And I think that gives you a framework to start with because often people say, I don't know where to start. There's so much to do. How do we figure that out? And the best way from my experience in working with quite a few other organizations is to think about your key levers of impact. So one question that I wanted to follow up on is, you know, whether it's globally or simply outside the walls of this office tower, we see a broad range of what I characterize as really mixed signals, right? Economics, geopolitically, socially, environmentally. There's a lot of kind of mixed signals of what's going on close to home and overseas. The risk of boiling it down to, you know, a single question, I'd love to get your perspective of, are we on track? Are we on track? That is a big question. I guess, you know, it would be hard to look at all the data, you know, specific to climate and say we're on track, but I wouldn't want it to come across as, you know, a negative response either, because I do think that there's been significant progress and, you know, you need to directionally appreciate that at least. If I think back 10 years ago, the conversations, the topics, the understanding of the issues They were certainly not front and center in the business world. And so that has changed substantially. Do we need to keep leaning in? Yeah. Do we need to go faster? Yeah, I would say so, especially around climate. And certainly climate's not separate from all these other issues, but it's one that, you know, you can measure a little bit more easily than some of the social elements, but it is ensuring and thinking about climate in the broader sense of ensuring people aren't left behind, which is a lot of our focus. 
So I guess if the question was advice, I think, yeah, go faster, push harder, embed it more deeply into your business. And I guess actually the advice is maybe not totally just for business leaders. You know, it's for those who own stock, the shareholders of companies, consumers, you know, we're seeing a big shift that people are demanding more change. You know, you wear a lot of hats as an individual, right? You're a citizen, so you vote, you're a consumer, you're a shareholder, you've got investments and, you know, you've got a role in a company, even if you're not a CEO, you're an employee who can make a difference. And so I think my main comment is use every hat you have, use every lever and keep going. One of the things that, that's come up over the course of our interview is, you know, this notion of ensuring that people are included in the change, as well as this notion of some people potentially being left behind as we transition. I really get love to get your perspective on what are some of the risks that you see you know, as you go through your day-to-day work and as you and your team think about the future, this idea of, you know, who might get left behind and how. We think about this a lot because it's easier to think about, okay, how do we come up with a way to help people buy an electric vehicle? But there's a lot of assumptions that go into that around, well, what's your income level? And do you you even own a vehicle? And and are you on transit or not? And what does that look like? And it tends to help certain demographics that still aren't fully and properly represented at decision-making tables. So we think about it in the context of how do we as a credit union with members who are broadly across all demographics from, you know, if you took income levels, age groups, racial backgrounds, like it's fully diverse. What can we bring forward as innovations and support in the form of products that will help create a more inclusive environment? And so we've been doing some little things that we're trying to see, okay, can we scale that? Everything from giving people free consultation around how do you retrofit your home? So of course that supports people who are homeowners, right? So that's not necessarily helping you if you're a renter. How do we then support those who are doing the buildings where people are renting the units to get those down to net zero? So we're looking at different uh, net zero pilot programs with developers on the nonprofit side of affordable housing. How do we keep thinking through climate resilient affordable housing and bringing those pieces together? And there are a lot of great people in community thinking about these things too, telling us whether what we're trying to put forward is working or not. So the risks is that otherwise you've got a very large percentage of the population that's not going to be able to adapt. So we recently did studies that said, you know, in BC, one in three people were impacted by climate-related events the last two years. So one in three. And when you think about that, we've had floods, heat domes, fires, so it's not totally surprising. And of those, over 50% feel high financial stress. High financial stress is, you know, a tipping point. You don't say high financial stress unless you're really close to the line. And so the concern is, as these climate-related events keep happening, those who don't have the means to adapt, what are they going to do, right? And so you're going to see that the impacts are on those who have less financial means, really. And so we keep trying to think about how do we do our best, our part, to at least minimize that. One of the things that we've observed is certainly over the course of our CEO surveys over time is changing importance of, you know, what some would call the ESG agenda. One argument that's been put forward is that sometimes people view ESG or climate as more of a luxury good. When the economy is strong, it's absolutely time to take action. 
What's your sentiment based on your interactions with peers, other CEOs? Is this time different? Are we in a different place? I do think it's a little bit different this time. And here's my reason for why others might disagree. I think if you speak about ESG just broadly and use and throw that term around, then no, you know, that's going to become the trend, the fad, move in and out, and it becomes politicized, which is not helpful. I think the concept of ESG from where it came from was always about a risk framework. And it was around assessing environmental risks, social risk, governance risks on a company's financial performance. And I think that methodology has actually really meant to minimize risk broadly. It was never really meant to determine how much impact, positive impact you are actually having in the world. So this is where I think people have been using ESG in a variety of ways to say, what's your ESG strategy versus ESGs as a risk framework. I think it's a little bit different now because as an example, and if you think internationally, people are reporting on it, they're being regulated on it. People are seeing the physical transition risks of climate or feeling the impacts. Individuals, as I just said, you know, one in three, they're feeling the impacts themselves. And so then that becomes definitely more momentum for change, right? When individuals start to understand this super abstract concept of, you know, changing climate when it actually affects them, then they're like, oh, I get that now, right? So I think from a business perspective, if you are thinking about the long-term of your business and you're not thinking about climate risk as one of those broad risks, I mean, I, I would be surprised if a company is not doing that given the data we're seeing and the impacts that we're seeing. So I do think it's a bit different because of the international standards coming out, the regulations coming out, as financial institutions need to start disclosing emissions that will trickle down to companies and how do they then disclose and how do they get to, you know, again, you get all, all the way down to the more granular level. Now, does disclosing and reporting, you know, get us the change we need? Not in and of itself, right? Um, that simply lets you know the risks. But again, as leaders and organizations and CEOs and citizens, you're now thinking about that longer term. Okay, if you know those are the risks, what are you doing to mitigate them? So I do think it's different. And certainly those at the table, the conversations that people are having, those were not happening 10 years ago. So Christine, oftentimes we see the notion of being a purpose-driven organization or an ESG-driven organization and a profitable organization being placed as that of attention or at odds with each other. Can you talk to me about your perspective on that issue and how you and your team navigate some of those tensions? So we don't view it as a tension. I think that's where probably we're a bit different in that they're really not at odds. When we think about our decision-making from an organizational perspective, you typically will have more productive, engaged team members. When you're thinking about all those different stakeholders that you know, make up your world as an organization, you know, if you're paying attention to each of those, that includes environment, but that includes your, for us, our members, that includes other stakeholders along the way. You could think that your supply chain, you know, on and on, that makes for a better business. There's been uh, more and more research, you know, showing that again, over the long term, right? So from a quarter to quarter perspective, I fully appreciate organizations that, we're, you know, we're not public, 
we don't have quarterly reporting, I fully appreciate the additional complexity of a public company. So in a way, we're lucky we don't have that. We have members who are very clear on what they want from their credit union. And that's to serve them, of course, to bring really strong financial products to them and to contribute to the community in which they live and work. So for us, there's no tension. Does it mean that sometimes our decisions are more complex? Sure. I've been in organizations, I ran a hedge fund, you know, I know what it's like when, you know, your key focus is profit. It's actually sometimes a simpler decision matrix than if you're really trying to ensure you're thinking about all aspects and who's impacted. And that's where, you know, earlier when I was saying we think about that broadly in our decisions around procurement, as an example, and employee benefits, it's always balancing that out. So do we need to make money? 100%, right? To be sustainable for the long term, we need to do that. We need to do that in order to reinvest in technology, to give our members what they need. But it's not about maximizing that profit at any cost. And I think that's the subtlety that people don't always appreciate. Because sometimes people think we're a not-for-profit. We're like, we're not a not-for-profit. We do need to make money and we need to make enough to reinvest and to give back. Uh, But it's not maximizing for the sake of that. Very helpful perspective. So before we conclude the episode, Christine, I did want to ask, do you have any messages or advice for listeners to consider whether it comes down to how to be a purpose-driven organization, how to think about their role in society, how to think about some of the topics we've talked about around balancing the short-term versus the long-term. I guess my advice would be, if you mean it, (laughs) then think about the levers you have as an organization to have the greatest impact in your community. And when you do that, my experience is that you focus in, you start to allocate resources differently And ultimately, you are thinking about the long-term impacts that you can have as an organization. And again, from my experience, my perspective, that has almost always meant better results over the long-term. So that would be my advice. Well, Christine, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us and with our listeners today. Thanks again for an inspiring discussion and for sharing your insights on what it means to be a purpose-driven organization, how to navigate an increasingly complicated and kind of complex economic and social environment, as well as how you and your team really wrestle with some of the the big challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis and strike that balance between the short and the long term. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me.